Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? Today, we will be covering the story of the prom night murders. It is such a wild, crazy story. I just had to dive in. What I anticipated was not what I found. And this is definitely one of those cases I need to hear more about. And this story has so many twists and turns that I really didn't even anticipate any of it. So yes, originally when Liz and I had started working on this episode, she was afraid to come forward and talk about a few things surrounding Bob, aka Robert. She was worried about some sort of backlash or concern. So we decided to rewrite the episode with a little bit of extra details. So brace yourselves. Now, when it comes to the victims, I always feel as though I need to protect them. And sometimes the victims aren't necessarily innocent. And this being one of those cases. This case takes place in 1989. Reverend Robert Pelly had never shown up to his church for service. They also noticed that his family was also absent from where they normally sit. Yes, there was also a little girl who went to check on them in the house right next door where they lived. Like her normal routine, she wanted to play with the kids and she couldn't find them. This little girl thought it very confusing because before this day, she was able to enter this house with no issues. The door was never locked in the past. Luckily, when she tried to get into the house, it was completely locked. She tried multiple doors with no success, then headed back to the church and told her father. This man and several others that were part of this parish went over to the house and noticed that a few other strange things, like the curtains being shut, there was no activity going on, and since the sermon should have already been underway, everyone started to get concerned. They also noticed the car in the driveway. This particular member of the church found a spare key and entered the house to unfortunately find the pastor and his wife and their two daughters inside lying in several pools of blood. Bob had been found shot twice, one shot in the chest and one shot in the face, while his glasses were lying on the floor. Bob's wife was in the basement and she was holding her two children, one named Janelle and the other Jolene, and she was trying to protect these kids from being shot. The kids were only eight and six years old at the time. Nothing else was out of the ordinary when it came to the home. Everything else was untouched. There were no weapons. There was no force entry. They were not able to find the other three kids, Jeff, Jackie, and Jessica. All of these kids were missing, but it didn't take them long to find Jackie and Jessica. One of them was at a sleepover and the other one was at church camp. Definitely a good day not to be home. The police were obviously called to the situation. They automatically grew concerned because everyone knew that the reverend's troubled 17-year-old son, Jeff, was missing. This teen had been arrested for burglary only a few weeks back and had been forbidden by his father to go to his senior prom as a result of this burglary. According to Jackie, Jeff's sister, Bob and Jeff were constantly arguing and they had always argued about his mother who had passed away. He had a lot of issues with the fact that his father had moved on and married someone else. And then this woman had brought her own three children along with them into the marriage. According to some people that were involved in the background of their lives, Bob definitely was very strict. And when he said he would not allow Jeff to go to prom, 
He didn't end up changing his mind, but he put a few stipulations in place. Jeff was not allowed to take his own vehicle to the prom, and he also was not allowed to go to any of the after parties. According to some of Bob's friends, Bob was worried that Jeff was going to go to prom in his car anyway, so he disabled something in the vehicle. Jeff had used his car, picked up his girlfriend, and told his girlfriend that Bob had a change of heart. The police automatically assumed that he was going to be a prime suspect number one when the police tracked him down at the amusement park the next day. They learned that he had put his finest suit on and partied carelessly with his friends at prom the evening before. He was having the time of his life, living it up, going to prom, going to an amusement park. He was living his best life for the last 24 hours. He eventually was charged and also convicted of the murders of all four of his family members. But a lot of people still question if he, in fact, really did or didn't do it. We are going to be reviewing some of the really disturbing information, so viewer discretion is advised. Now, Jeff was born December 10th, 1971, a Sagittarius, and he was born the same date his mom was born, obviously not the same year. His father and his mother, Ava, had met in the 60s, and they were married in the 70s, and then had Jeff. They also had another little girl, his sister Jackie, who was born in 1976, His father was constantly working with his faith. He also had another job as a computer programmer. His wife, Ava, was diagnosed with skin cancer in 1984. And when she died the following February, it was because she refused treatment. So that would have made him 13 when he lost his mother. Robert had met Dawn and Dawn had also recently lost a spouse herself. The two widowers quickly fell in love and got married. Jeff and his sister consequently met their new stepsisters after, which in fact blended the three daughters, five-year-old Jessica, four-year-old Janelle, and two-year-old Jolene into a newly formed family, and they ended up moving to Indiana. Jeff and his father had many, many, many arguments, and their relationship became more and more toxic as time progressed. There was also a situation where the police had to get involved because Bob had punched Jeff in the face. I think the neighbor saw a lot of these things kind of happening often. But I will point out now that Bob was also very extremely difficult to deal with as well. And it also started a lot of the problems with his son. I feel like he was often calling him names and telling him he was worthless and useless and a devil child. And I know that him being part of a church, that would kind of be a big insult, you know. There was a big mistake when it comes to this particular case. They did not take the temperature of the bodies and they were not able to determine the time of death, which would help figure out exactly when this took place. Definitely a critical mistake, but they were at least able to determine that Dawn had been killed first and then her two children after. They were able to detain Jeff and his girlfriend at the theme park and they brought them both in to custody. While in custody, he continued to ask if he had done something wrong, but they did not want to question him until they had a proper authority there to do so. I also want to add that Jeff was constantly getting in trouble and he had a lot of run-ins with the police in the past. So he assumed that many things he had not got caught for before was the reason he was there in the first place. And I mean, that was me just kind of picking up on his energy at the time. At that time, they had told Jeff what happened, and he had cried and asked a lot of questions. 
The police did not want to give him too much detail on the death because he was prime suspect number one, and then they had relocated him to another jail. Now, according to an officer that spoke to him at the other jail, they had stated that he asked him if he would get the electric chair for this. But there was no recording of this conversation to prove that it ever took place between the officer and Jeff. Now, do you know if what this officer said was true? Yes. Now, Jeff definitely said that out loud. And of course, they weren't recording it, but he did say it. He assumed he was going to be going down for this crime one way or another. So let's go back for just a moment. Before these students had gone to their prom, a bunch of teenagers decided to go by Jeff's place and take some photos before prom. And according to these eyewitnesses, Jeff's family was all alive, and he was also wearing a pink shirt at the time with some jeans. One of the boys had forgotten his date's corsage at home, and he drove by the Pelly's residence again. When he had seen the house, it looked extremely quiet and the blinds were shut and it looked as though everyone was gone. The only thing he noticed was that Jeff's car was still in the driveway. Then, approximately half hour later, this friend picked up his date and a few other friends and passed by the house again. At this time, Jeff's car was now gone. At approximately 5.20 p.m., Jeff went to the gas station and decided to use a phone. He decided to call his date and let her know, hey, I'm going to be a little late because I'm having issues with my car and decided to go outside and fix the issues with his car. So was these issues with the car in relation to what Bob did to Jeff's vehicle? Absolutely. Bob was extremely sneaky and vindictive at times, and he really wanted to give it to Jeff. And obviously he had changed his mind later on, but Jeff had no idea his father had intentionally done something to the vehicle at the time. Jeff was pretty good at fixing things and was able to fix it quickly, though. Based on his steps throughout the evening, he had about 20 minutes unaccounted for, which was a very small window for him not to only shoot his family members, remove all the shell casings, and do a load of laundry. They had also taken photos of his chest to see if there was any sort of recoil from the gun and to see if it looked like he had used one. Unfortunately, they did not see any sort of markings on his body whatsoever. Uh, There definitely would have been something from that recoil. Yeah, and they ended up releasing him because they didn't have enough evidence to convict him. And at the funeral later on, he didn't cry or show any sort of emotion, and they were not able to prove anything for, I don't know, approximately 10 years. And I want to point out that, you know, with teenagers, because I've worked in group homes before and also my own experiences as a teenager, but when kids are hardened, emotions aren't usually visible. I loved my grandfather very much, but I didn't cry for months after he passed on. According to sources, the people that he lived near, they were not very welcoming towards him and he felt as though he was, uh, they felt as though he was obviously the killer. And they were constantly talking about him or making him feel uncomfortable. So he decided to move to Florida. Which I would have done as well. Don's father now was in charge of the will and distributing the children's inheritance, which would be distributed to the children once they turned 23. According to sources, the trust fund for Jeff was approximately $48,000. And he was asking for that money constantly, but he was fighting a losing battle. Jeff decided to inform the trustee that he had some condition that his mother had, the skin cancer, and that he had to have surgery, which would cost him 20 k and he needed to be able to pay off the debt of this surgery. 
The trustee ended up asking for proof of this medical bill and Jeff sent it over. The bill looked pretty convincing. However, when he looked up the doctor attached to the surgery, none of the doctors existed. This trustee ended up contacting the hospital to see if they could give some more information, but they weren't giving him anything. In fact, they couldn't even answer straightforward questions surrounding it. So he decided to call the police next. So check this out. Basically, he had the number listed as a secondary number for Jeff that he had installed. Also, his mother-in-law was working at this particular hospital and provided all of the documentation for forgery to make it seem like it was a legitimate surgery. She had helped him try to obtain this money by answering the different phones and numbers. Jeff did end up getting charged and he pled guilty to wire fraud and he ended up obtaining six months of house arrest. He served his time and then he moved into a home where he worked at IBM and he had a son and a wife as well. And things stayed that way until 2000. Now, there was this man in the area where Bob and his family were killed that was really trying to break open this case in a bigger way. I mean, the town was kind of stressed about it. I believe there was some sort of council member situation. He ended up getting elected and he went right to work to get this solved. He ended up reaching out to the two remaining sisters that were still alive, Jackie and Jesse. Now, Jessie was in her early 20s and was under the impression that Bob was the one who killed her mother and her sisters and then turned the gun on himself. Which is not even really possible because there was no murder weapon on the scene and how could he have killed them and himself and removed the gun and the casings from the home? Yeah, Jessie was also placed into foster care, so I'm assuming she really didn't have a lot of connection to the outside world about what took place other than what she had heard through the grapevine. Jessie then started to question and think it was her brother, whereas Jackie defended her brother throughout the entire investigation while looking into this. The investigation continued on, and they decided to pull up all the old evidence to see if they can find anything that would help them in this case or that they would have overlooked, a.k.a. maybe trying to pin it on Jeff since the town was so disgruntled. Of course, unsolved cases are obviously going to stick out. In my opinion, if the family or the parish was so disgruntled about this, why did the two girls end up in foster care? The family didn't mind taking care of the money for the kids, but Jeff's fine. He was almost an adult, but the two little girls were very young. Yeah, that makes no sense to me either. I know I would have jumped on it, but anyway... They pulled up evidence surrounding the jeans and that he initially had been wearing them and then he had worn them while they were taking photos. The issue with the jeans were that they were apparently in the washing machine, but the police officers actually don't remember what they did with them or how they got them. They were not listed as an item in the washing machine when it came to evidence and the police officers didn't remember if they had found the jeans in the car, on the floor, whatever. There were also, you know, dollar bills and a couple of quarters and change and also a receipt for a grocery store in his pocket. They had a lot of confusion as to where these jeans were as of August 10th, 2002. They obtained a warrant and were able to charge him on four counts of first degree murder. Jesse was able to identify that her father had a 20 gauge shotgun and it was there before she had left for the sleepover, but was gone before she came back which would match the kind of wounds, wound holes that they found. 
Jackie completely contradicted what Jesse had indicated, and Jackie indicated that Bob had gotten rid of the guns well before the murders even took place. Or maybe that's the story that he had told the kids. That's a good point. We understand people carry guns for protection, but why did Bob need multiple guns? Maybe Bob was afraid that Jeff was going to get his hands on the guns. A very good possibility. I also feel as though these guns were hidden away from the kids. Maybe not even necessarily in the house anymore. Perhaps the parish itself, since he had access to it. Jackie had indicated that Jeff had informed the family that he was going to take his life at one point. So he removed the firearms from the house, but it's very common for a troubled teen to say something like that for attention. Absolutely. Kids are overwhelmed with raging hormones, and there's a lot of circumstantial evidence in this case. And they have evidence to prove that he's innocent. They also have evidence to prove he was guilty, but the jury decided to give him a guilty verdict anyway. He received 160 years in prison for killing his family, but he has always claimed that he's innocent. There was a woman who also came forward a little bit after Bob and his family were murdered, indicating that Bob had told her that he didn't want to be photographed. She was trying to take photos of the church for promotional reasons, and he didn't want to be in any of the photos because he had a past life that could end up hurting or harming his children and his family, and she informed the police of this information. Which would give another person motive to hurt his family. So, throughout this particular episode, I was never able to really connect with Bob. I assumed it was because he doesn't believe in what I do, you know, being a minister, a reverend, but I also carried on through the episode anyway. Now, days and days and days later, his wife, well, the first wife, Ava, she was the one speaking so loudly to me and who was the one who provided me with all the information. Now, she shows me that there was a reason that she did not obtain treatment for her cancer. And what would that reason be? She wasn't able to. She was under strict instructions from Bob. According to Ava, they were already in hiding. Bob had done some pretty shady things in the past from the job he used to have. Now, with this particular job, he had some involvement with sex trafficking, drug trafficking, and Ava didn't know exactly what he had done at the time, but she does know the truth now. She was very frightened to say anything on suspicion, even now, but this is to do with her son and his life. She shows me that Bob had molested several girls He was also the right-hand man with moving girls to other locations based on his job. He was also able to, like, wire money. He made fake money. He did a lot of bad things. He ended up molesting a little girl attached to one of the men who's organizing this sex trafficking ring slash drug ring slash counterfeit money ring, and they ended up finding out about it. Well, that does add up with some information that we're able to find on Bob later on. There was also findings that the bank he used to work with used to get in trouble a lot for laundering money and also potentially sex trafficking related things as well. So it's very possible that somebody from his past came back to kill him. Ava shows me that he was on the run at this point with her and going to medical care to get help that she needed. It was just not a possibility. It would give access to these people to be able to obtain medical records and bank records. So She just wanted her son and her daughter to know this particular detail. So he just wanted his wife to die? No, he thought she could hold on until they relocated. 
She also wanted to point out that Jeff's troubles came from his genes and how badly Bob had treated him throughout the years as a single parent and also a blended family. He had treated his son like a second-class citizen because his wife didn't like Jeff too much and Jeff constantly made her feel uncomfortable. So Bob would punish Jeff and give in to his new wife's demands. But expects him to treat her kids well. Did he ever molest her kids? According to Ava, not the older two children, but the younger two children, Jolene and Janelle. There was another man by the name of Eric Dawson who had connections to the bank that Bob worked at, who was also murdered just a year before Bob was murdered. His remains were found in a cement wall, and they believe that he was murdered because of his dealings with this bank. Bingo. Ava says that that man worked directly with Bob. And originally, when they had initially found Bob, they were going to do something similar to him. They weren't expecting to find all these children. So there was a current update on this case, and Jeff Pelly has been trying to overturn this conviction, and he says that he did not do it. And he and his legal team have been fighting very hard to obtain evidence to prove otherwise. On August 8th, 2020, obviously things move very slowly, but they were moving towards trying to obtain some sort of overturn for this case. In April of 2021, they did a status hearing. And then in June of 2021, they did a status hearing rescheduled. And then they did some evidentiary hearing in 2022 as well. And in August of 2022, they were informed to provide findings and facts. They submitted all of this. And as of February 1st of this year, 2023, the state of submitting their findings and have been submitted. And now they have to wait for the judge to make a decision if they're going to move forward. There's no timeline on this decision. Imagine that. All right, you guys are going to be completely shocked with this information. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the first question that's on everybody's mind. Did Jeff do this to his family? I had originally come into this case automatically thinking this was going to be a slam dunk case. Jeff did it type case, you know. But as I looked into it harder and harder and communicating with Ava and the others, they couldn't be further from the truth. He did not kill his family. They, of course, have so many good reasons to believe he did because he is a shady character, but the shady character is not capable of murder. I actually had a feeling myself. I did not feel as though Jeff did it. That was my initial thought. So let's go back to the night and discuss all the little details surrounding what took place. So from what I can see, Don and Bob were both in a good mood, actually. They both had discussed what they were planning to do with Jeff surrounding his prom, and from what I could see that they had a hard time making this choice, but they felt like, you know, these could be great memories for him, and so they decided to go back on their word. They were going to find other ways to punish him, like make him mow the lawn or do other chores, but they thought long and hard, and just a few hours before he went to prom, they let him know, hey, you can go, you can take the car, whatever you'd like. They even said you can go to the after party as well. I feel like he was ecstatic in this moment. He was in a good mood. He and his family were not in any sort of turmoil this particular day. I even believe that Jeff's father was going to like fix the car, or at least he was trying to fix the car before his son noticed anything was wrong. I also feel like Jeff had seen that there was an issue with the car and planned to get it fixed at some point later on in the day. So then he knew about his vehicle. Everybody seemed to be in a good mood, which was great. And they also had a big monumental moment, of course. So going to be one of those days where everyone's just going to be much happier. 
And from what I gather from his stepmother and his two sisters that died, he was definitely troubled. The death of his mother really did screw with him because he basically watched her die and she was his everything. And when Dawn came into the picture, he was less than excited about it, to say the least. Not because of her as a person, but when it came to his mother, you know, she would always like defend Jeff and she would always be that person to say, oh, just don't be so hard on him. But with Dawn, she would just go along with anything Bob wanted to do when it came to raising his son. She would stay out of the nonsense. Even when they would fight, she would not engage too much or she would defend Bob's actions. But either way, they did not get along. And it's a very typical stepmother, stepfather, stepchild relationship with a teen. We both have had step parents, and there was always some tension between step parents and kids, so definitely makes sense. Absolutely. My stepfather and I had the worst relationship. He didn't like how rebellious I was, although I wasn't that rebellious. He was a very strict man, and my mother was very lax with her restrictions, at least at the time. So when we went from having a very loose household to a very strict one, it became problematic for me, and I feel as though that kind of thing happened with Jeff. He was in a very easy mommy protected type of household, and then dad being, you know, that guy who makes all the rules and says no all the time, difficult for him. And obviously this woman didn't loosen up on the rules. So he just kept running into walls. Obviously he went on a bad path and it came to stealing and making bad choices, especially money related choices. And obviously Bob and Jeff had a very toxic relationship as well. Oh, absolutely. And from what I can see, his family struggled with him and his mental health problems. They did love each other, I guess, in a very dysfunctional way, even though they may not necessarily have opened up about the fact. But I feel like Dawn was kind of the one who tried to get to Bob to reason about going to this, you know, after party part of the prom. So at least sometimes she kind of stuck up for him. All right. Now that you've cleared Jeff of this, who did it? What took place? Well, I know we only talked about it briefly here for a moment, but there's definitely a connection to his old bank. He left his bank job because there were things that were getting scarier for him specifically. I mean, he did molest a child. He was on the radar for being murdered for a long time. And that was the reason he hated taking photos for anything, honestly. He liked being out of the limelight. Now, I do see that there were two men and one woman involved, but I don't necessarily feel like the woman had a big connection to the case. Could have been the mother whose child was molested, but also stuck in this lifestyle. So what exactly was Bob doing that was illegal within the bank walls? Like I said before, there was wire fraud going on, fraudulent money, sex trafficking. They also had helped with sending fake money to private banks that were basically untraceable. They were able to move big ticketed items. I feel like there were items like jewels and things of value in the bank that were also stolen. I feel like Bob was the person who had his hand in every pocket of this place, including the bank managers that maybe weren't necessarily aware of things. Now, there were a few good people that worked at this bank, but I don't feel like Bob was one of them. He was actively involved in a lot of these crimes, making large sums of money. However, I feel like... Although most of his money had been stolen, he was only able to obtain a little bit of an amount to start his life over again. Now, what happened next with the murders? I see that these two men were outside of Bob's home staking out the property because they knew him. And I believe that they had been searching for him for quite a while. I think they got a tip from somebody spotting Bob and basically wanted to come after him and give 
the payback that they so desperately were hoping for, but they wanted to take the time to figure out how to do it. They were watching the family for quite a while, at least five, six days, and they had no idea what was going on currently in the situation. They didn't anticipate the kids, and they also assumed that all of these children were biologically Bob's. So they spent so much time looking for him. Yeah. Now, they didn't necessarily pay attention to how many kids were in the house or how many kids they had entirely. They did watch them, like I said, for several days, but they also felt that this particular evening would be perfect to hurt Bob and his family. I don't necessarily know that they were aware that there was a prom going on, but I do feel like they had seen that the home was a little bit on the quieter side and there was not a lot of commotion going on. So these two armed men sat outside of the home and watched as things started to get quieter and Jeff ended up leaving and that was their signal to head on in. Where were they during the photos that Jeff and his friends were taking? They were actually outside watching, but they, again, really didn't understand what was going on. Maybe they had taken a break at this point. Now, they had entered the home, and a lot of people keep talking about how there was no sign of, like, forced entry. But at the beginning of this particular case, this little girl that had come to see the family had never experienced the house being locked. So I'm assuming that these men just walked in. As these two armed men come into the house, I believe that they threatened Bob and told him that they were going to kill his whole family. Now, I do that. I do see that there was sort of some, I don't know, entertainment value because they killed the wife and children first, but they wanted like Bob to kind of see from afar. And I do see that Don had seen these two men enter the home and asked who they were, grabbed her kids as the kids were fairly close to her. Of course, an instinctive mother takes her kids down the stairs with her. Not exactly. I feel like this armed man made them sit down for a brief moment while he had held the gun up to them. I feel like Bob then came down the stairs from wherever he was, and I feel like he was trying to send some sort of warning signal or something, but of course, he wasn't able to for whatever reason. I also feel like Bob's guns were no longer in the home. So when Bob came down, I feel like he told the perpetrators to leave his wife and kids alone and that if they were there for him, you know, just take him. But I feel like the perpetrators was telling him he was going to kill the kids and he's going to kill the wife and he was going to hurt him in a way that he basically hurt him. I feel like there was a bit of a scuffle at one point with one individual while the other didn't necessarily have a gun. I feel like he just didn't pull it out or something. I'm not entirely sure. He was paying attention to Bob and didn't realize that the mother and the children had gotten up and headed to the basement. And from what I gather, she was trying to hide the kids in some sort of cupboard or something along those lines so they could be out of danger, maybe even trying to push them out of a, a window or something so they could be out of danger. But unfortunately, the man had a gun following them and shot them instantly. They play with Bob for a little while longer and taunt him as he cried, and then he shot him as well. They took all the shell casings, closed the blinds before, you know, they began to head out of the household, locked all the doors, and waited until nightfall before leaving. They had parked their vehicle outside. I believe that the woman was out there kind of, I don't know, keeping eye, making sure nobody's coming to bother them. I keep seeing like a black truck. I feel as though that the woman was sitting there maybe 
talking to the guy from the inside somehow, walkie-talkies, phone, not entirely sure. And I feel like there was some sort of, like, Oldsmobile type of vehicle. I, I don't know the detail. It kind of looked rusty. And they proceeded to leave. And I feel as though they wanted to make it look like it was an intruder. They didn't expect everyone to think it was the son, but it worked out in their favor because everyone stopped paying attention to the other suspects because they solely focused on Jeff. So they were able to get away with murder because they were focused on someone else being the killer that they didn't necessarily see what was right in front of them. Nobody investigated the case strongly enough back then, so they were able to get rid of all the evidence that they may have had. What about this woman? Was she involved in the murder herself? Now, I feel like this woman was not in the home. She was only outside the entire time, kind of making sure nobody was around. But I feel like she had given these men specific instructions not to kill these kids. But I guess the kids had seen their faces and they killed them anyway. So none of these people had to die, including Bob. But I feel bad for Jeff in this situation. Not only did he get convicted of something he didn't do, but these people continuously get away with the murders. Makes me angry, but I'm glad I was able to kind of see what I needed to see in order to provide it to you guys. And I know a lot of you think that Bob was a good guy, and maybe there's aspects of him that was good, but he did a lot of bad things, including hurting kids, and I'm glad he's not able to hurt kids anymore. All right, I have one final question. Will Jeff be able to get himself out of jail, and will they find the correct person who did this to his family? Yes, they will get justice in the sense of getting Jeff out of jail. As it stands for the people getting caught, maybe a couple of years down the road, there might be a couple other connections that tie them to the family. There's a lot of missing evidence that they did not talk about, and I feel like they didn't even bother with it back then. I mean, they were clearly all over the place anyway, couldn't figure out where they had the genes, didn't know this, didn't know that. I don't know. It's just a lot of mess. There were other people killed as well, associated with this bank as well. So there might be something that comes forward with it too. Now, these men are still alive to this day, but they're obviously much older, of course, and they are definitely around. I mean, Ava basically hopes that her kid can get out of jail and have a life, at least somewhat of a life. He's been punished enough. Well, thank you so much for giving us all this information today. I know you and I both went into this case thinking that Jeff was completely guilty, but as we carried along with the case, it was very shocking revelation. Now, next week, guys, we will be posting an episode right on Liz's birthday, which will be April 11th, and we will be dropping the episode of Eileen Warnos. Finally, the episode that she's been waiting for. This episode will be on the exclusive side, so make sure to sign up for the patron side so that you can access it, along with the other episodes that we have there. We have quite a bit of listening for you guys. It's only $2 a month. I think that's a pretty great deal. It is a monthly subscription, so make sure you guys pay attention to that as well. And until next time, guys, stay freaked out. Mm -hmm.